Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I'm excited to get going this morning. If it's your first time with us this morning, we want to say welcome. Whether you're here with us live in person or you're on Facebook or YouTube, uh, we're just a local family church that loves Jesus and loves people. If, if at the end of a service, at the end of the day, you feel the love of God, that's the most important thing to us. Because I found this in my life, when love transforms your heart, everything seems to fall in place. Just everything seems to fall in place. And so I count it a privilege and an honor to be able to speak to you, you know, 40-some times uh, a year uh, on a Sunday morning and uh, that you receive from us. But at the end of the day, I want you to know that you are loved. I want you to know that you're cared for, not, not just by God, but by your local community here, your local family. Uh, we're going to talk today, and this is really interesting to me because I'll be honest with you. Maybe sometimes I'll say, oh, oh, babe, listen, i got to share this with you, this, this revelation or this thing I saw when I was studying the Greek or Hebrew. But most of the time, we don't really, I don't go, oh, this is my message on Sunday. But it, it's so crazy how she'll literally just start to flow and just be in tune with spirit. And it seems to be exactly what I'm preaching. I was back there. She's ministering today, talking about us being the hands, the feet of Jesus. I'm like, that's my message. I swear, do you sneak into my computer and look at my notes? Okay, but I just think that's so cool because it, it's a confirmation that we're speaking directly to what needs to be spoken to. Does that make sense? And so today I want to talk about this idea of a perfect union, say a perfect union. Now I've noticed the last several weeks as I spoke on different ideas, uh, different biblical things, uh, theology, whatever you would call it, I've noticed that I kept coming back to this idea of union. And so I kind of looked through my notes over the last, you know, I've got with my app, I got about 12 years worth of notes. I usually joke about how I'll go back seven, eight, nine years and go, what did I believe back then? Because <laughs> we're in a process, right? We're growing. But I think it's good to have that just to see where you've grown. But it's been a few years since we really talked a little bit deeper on this. And I even have another teaching I might do soon that I reflect on just a little bit today about the vine and the branches. Uh, just a beautiful, a beautiful analogy that Jesus uses in the Gospels. But I kept hearing this, you know, speaking it out loud in my spirit, stirring around this idea of union, a perfect union. And so I want to talk about this today. And, and let me just say this as well. I appreciate, again, the opportunity to speak into your life. And what I love about Faith City is we, we have created this space where we're all at different parts of the journey. And I say this probably every week, but the core values of the gospel and the kingdom never change, but our beliefs do. Our belief system should be changing because that means we're growing. It means we're coming to a new way of seeing things, a new facet. You know, I've been, uh, I talked to someone just the other day. They're like, it's just so crazy that there's all these different interpretations. And I said, it's really not that crazy because, you know, you have this, 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 this Bible. We call it the Bible scripture, which I believe is a unified story that leads us to Jesus. That's what the story is about. But you have these different thoughts and ideas and opinions in there. But if you look around, you've got like 40,000 different denominations. 
So it makes sense to me that interpretations are going to be different, right? And so I say all that to say, if I ever say something that strikes you wrong or odd, I challenge you to dig into it. I challenge you to study a little deeper. I even ask that you would come to me, we'd speak and talk it out because maybe you'll change my mind on something because guess what? We're in this together. Look at the person next to you and say, we're in this together. That's really how church is done. It's, it's a group of people. And I know that the Western evangelical style of teaching is there's one dude up here behind a table or a pulpit telling everyone what they should be doing, but that's not how I see this role. I don't see it as a place where I'm telling you how to live. I see it as a place where I'm teaching you how to think. I want you to think for yourself. I want you to hear Holy Spirit for yourself. So as we're going through things today, maybe this will be one of those repentance moments, metanoia. That's the word in the Greek. It means to change your mind. We begin to change your mind. We begin to see things a little differently. And again, I'm always open to discussions. You just always know that. My door is always open. So perfect union. I want to start in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 15 and verse 10. Now, This is a beautiful portion of Scripture here. Jesus has just shared, uh, in the whole chapter, he shares the story of the the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I usually say the lost sons, because there were two sons involved. Both were lost. One was at home. One stayed there. The other left, but they both had lost their identity. And so that's just a, a great way to see it. But after he talks about the parable of the lost sheep, And then shares the parable of the lost coin. He says this. Look at this. Verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. It's this idea of lostness. We talked about this last week, and I dug a little deeper into John 3.16, that that God wasn't willing that any should perish, right? And we found out that that word perish doesn't mean to die. It means to be lost, to be lost automatically, to, to be born in a state where as you're born, you automatically don't see yourself as a child of God. And so what does he want for us? He wants us to have eternal life, right? An age-long, an age-lasting life, life to the fullest till it, till in abundance till it overflows. That's what he's looking for us. Now, we're not just talking financially, right, material. We're talking about having everything that God's put in us available and benefited from it. Does that make sense? I think this is cool in, the, in God's word translation. It kind of breaks it down a little bit easier for us. It says this, so I can guarantee that God's angels are happy about one person who turns to God and changes the way he thinks and acts. That's what repentance is. Repentance is I see things differently. It causes me to turn and go a different way. And how many know that you act out what you think? Right? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So how we think about ourselves, how we think about others, how we think about God, it's reflected in our actions. We've heard this before, actions speak louder than words, right? So how you think is how you'll act. Now think about this. There's this celebration that's taking place with the angels. Why? They're like, yes, they're getting it. They're beginning to see the truth of who they are. You know, I just mentioned it here a few minutes ago, but Kristen and I are less than two weeks away from our 22nd anniversary, which, how is that even possible? How am I old enough to be married for 22 years, right? 
22 years of marriage this November, which is, is beautiful. And I think about the story. Some of you know this, but when we met one another, you know, we just, we just had this vision of where we wanted to go and the type of person we wanted to be with. And so we dated for six months and said, let's just do this thing. And so I remember telling my dad, I said, we said, hey, uh, I proposed to Kristen. We're going to get married. He's like, oh, my gosh, you guys have a date? I'm like, yeah, next week. <laughs> That's not a joke. That's true. A week. And, hey, 22 years later, we made it. All right, baby. Six months and a week, and I guess, I guess we knew what we were doing. No, we didn't know what we were doing because we're still growing. We're still learning, right? But, you know, it was, uh, it was just this amazing time of getting married. But when we got married, the reason I'm bringing this up, why the wedding story, Pastor? Well, Jesus here is speaking of the joy that erupts in heaven when we come to believe the good news when we literally embrace our true identity as sons and daughters of God, there's like this celebration. Now, imagine a celebration, right? A birthday party, uh, a graduation celebration. But if you look in the context of Scripture, there really is this rejoicing. It's, it's just like the rejoicing that comes at a wedding celebration. If you look, even the Jews today would even say that when, when the Jewish people, Israel, had approached uh, Mount Sinai, and we're given the Ten Commandments, they see that as a marriage ceremony where God literally married Israel, you know? And then you look at this covenant language we have even in the New Covenant where we're called the Bride of Christ. So there's this marriage language, which to me signifies unity. It signifies this idea of union. Come on, somebody. And so I think this is really cool to understand that there's this marriage that God wants to have with us as humanity, with Christ as the bride, or with Christ as the groom and us as the bride. I just want to think about that for a moment because there's something about a wedding celebration. I've been to a lot of birthday parties, right? I've been to a, a lot of graduation parties, but I've also been to a lot of weddings, especially the reception. Just yesterday, my son and I were uh, filming a wedding, and, you know, there's this anticipation as it builds up to the ceremony. And then there's the ceremony, but there's this, there's this excitement. There's this celebration that two have become one. And it's just such a beautiful thing. And I believe that's what scripture is showing us. I love this quote by Dr. Paul Ellis. He says, many of us are looking forward to the wedding banquet yet to come, but Jesus is returning for his bride, not his fiance. You are already married to him. (laughs) Now think about this. And I know if you're new to religious ideas, you're new to church or scripture, it can seem like married to God. That seems odd. But listen, it's just ways to explain union. How many know that marriage represents union? When any of us got married, we saw two becoming one, right? And so it's really important to see that we're not the fiance of Jesus. We're waiting for him to come back. Hopefully he does soon. It's like we're already married to the groom, already married to Jesus. We could say... You're already in full union with him. And this is why it's important to see. Because if you don't, you feel like you're still disconnected. There's a little bit more that has to be achieved in order to be fully united. But according to scripture, we're already in full union with God. Look at the person next to you and say, you're in union with God. See, our union with Christ is not a future event. It's a present reality. And so I want us to see that because when we do, 
it empowers us. It, it brings us to a place where everything that we've been given for life and godliness, suddenly we see it, it becomes available, and we begin to benefit from it. But not just us. Those around us begin to benefit as well. So the first question is this, did you say I do? I mean, the marriage has already been offered, but there is this, this step of faith we need to take to say, okay, I've awakened to see the truth of this relationship I do. I believe. Because how many know this, that you can't walk in and benefit from anything you don't believe? So there is something about belief, but your belief doesn't make it happen. Your belief puts you in line with what's already happened. You follow me? So here's the thing. Have we fully embraced this reality yet? I know this, that Life is a journey, and there's many facets I can look back and go, wow, I've, I've really fully embraced this. Yeah, I might have a bad day or two, but I've embraced this. But then I see other things where I can tell again by my, my actions and my words where my thinking is. And if my thinking's off, I can go, oh, okay, I still need to grow. I still need to, to be on this journey here in this area, in this facet of my life. And so why is it important? What is the big deal, Pastor? You keep saying we're united with Christ, we're in union with Christ, you're talking about marriage, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is this, and I want to look at two things today, benefits of seeing this union. Number one, our union with Christ bears fruit in our lives. It bears fruit in our lives. You know, Scripture tells us that you will know them by their fruit. And so there's... There's something about, and we need to be careful because it's so easy to preach messages about you better bear fruit, you better start bearing fruit, which is the wrong way to approach it because a tree bears fruit because that's what it does. It's not forceful. That plant bears fruit because why why does that pear tree bear pears? Because it's a pear tree, right? So, we got to be careful because when we say you need to bear fruit, here's what I found <laughs> through just working through my own stuff and personal therapy and things. We all have triggers. And sometimes religious, bad religious, I should say, triggers have been put into us. So when we hear things, even if someone's saying it in a nice way, it triggers something. We're like, did he just tell me I have to or else? No. He didn't. So we have to kind of hear through sometimes maybe that old stuff that, that stuck on us, those triggers that were developed through religious trauma. And I understand that. So I really sometimes try to overemphasize that this isn't something to say you need to do this. I'm saying more or less you need to be this because this is who you are. Okay? So number one, it bears fruit in our lives, this union. Think about this. A couple, like a natural physical couple, cannot bear fruit alone. It, it just, it doesn't happen. It's their union that causes the fruit of children. And get this, just being married doesn't produce the fruit of children. Thank God, I can imagine, like, we got married, and the day we got married, you're like, oh, I'm pregnant. Like, what? What is going on? I don't, I don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> children are amazing. I just joke around about that and stuff, but we have four beautiful children. But, you know, just being married doesn't produce the fruit of children. What produces fruit? Intimacy in the union. So there's something about relationship, right? And so what we see here is that it's a union with Christ. We could more accurately say 
It's the intimacy and relationship in Christ. Meaning it isn't just, yeah, I prayed a prayer once five years ago, but I never spend time in prayer, scripture, meditation. Again, disciplines are important, but why are we doing them? Sometimes, you know, I, even I'll just speak about my own self. I thought the disciplines were something I had to do in order to receive something from God. But then suddenly I realized, oh, I already have everything that God's going to provide in order for me to receive that to myself. Then I do need to have disciplines like time with God and prayer. And for me, meditation has become like the greatest thing. You know, contemplative prayer, just being quiet, just listening. There's so many things that Holy Spirit has worked out in my own life in those moments and really brought me peace to stop trying to do things that he's already doing through me if I'll allow him. It's beautiful. So it's a union with Christ, again, an intimate relationship in Christ, who, by the way, is the vine. He says, I'm the vine and you're the branches. That's what produces fruit in our lives. Let me say it like this. Fruit follows intimacy. It's not the other way around. Fruit follows intimacy. Time together, getting to know who God is to you. It's having that closeness. It's having that understanding. Think about this. A couple can be married but not have intimacy. In the same way, we can be in union with Christ, but not have intimacy, not have closeness, not have that real relationship that's already there. It's not God or Jesus on their part going, yeah, I don't know if I want to hang with you, man. I, I saw what you did last night. No, 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 no. It's usually us in a state of estrangement because we feel guilt or shame and we stay away. Does that make sense? And so we could put it like this. We can be in union with Christ, but not have closeness or understanding of that relationship. And so that's what I'm trying to get us to today. That's what Jesus was trying to get us to in John 15 in the parable of the vine and the branches. I think it's a wonderful affirmation of our union with him. He says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. I said this in the past, I'll say it again. There's a role to play. You're not the vine. You're not the vine dresser. You're not the one that waters and cultivates. And actually, you're not the one that, you produce the fruit, okay? But you're not the one that makes it happen. In this same parable, Jesus says, you can do nothing without me. He wasn't saying you're a low life, you got to have me. He's saying your fruit production is my thing, not yours. Come on, somebody. That takes the pressure off. So we should bear fruit But the only way you bear fruit, Jesus said, is to abide in me. See your place in me. See that I am the vine and you are the branch and my father is the vine dresser. But here's the thing. When Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, it's past tense, not future. It's not something that's going to happen one day if you pray enough and read enough scripture. It's something that's already there. Your praying and reading scripture is just bringing you more in line to see the truth and awaken to who you are in your place. Does that make sense? Why? You're already in Christ. You are united with Christ. Say, I am united with Christ. So it helps, it causes us to bear fruit, and we begin to see this union Another thing that a union with Christ does, number two, is this. It gives us authority and power. Now, as soon as I say that, depending on your background, depending, depending on what denomination you 
you came from, you're starting to draw all types of mental pictures, aren't you? Right? I have authority and power. But really, we can say this. You have the authority, meaning using the idea again of, of Chris and I being married, you know, she bears my name. She has authority in the Brancic name. Maybe she wasn't born a Brancic, but she bears the power and authority of a Brancic. Does this make sense? So she has everything she needs. Think about this, the power. We're told that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Why? Christ is in you. That's your strength. That's your power. Your authority is because you're a son and daughter of God. This is awesome. And I'll tell you what it does is it gets you to a place where you just see yourself differently. You know, you're not shy or, or feel less than. You feel like, wow, I'm a child of God. Not in a haughty, prideful way, but just to say, you know what? I've got truth. I've got goodness. I've got gifts that I can bear to this world. I've got fruit that I can bear. And, and how many know that fruit is meant to be enjoyed? You know, if a fruit tree just bear, would bear fruit and no one ever enjoyed it, it would just rot and fall off. Well, what good is that? I mean, some of us are just running around with rotten fruit because we, we won't give it away. Now, I know spiritually it's not going to rot. What I'm saying is that fruit that you're bearing, it's not just for you. The fruit doesn't bear it. There's fulfillment in bearing the fruit because the tree's doing what it's supposed to do and born to do. But guess what? Others enjoy the fruit. Come on. That is so cool. The thing about the fruit that you bear is for others. See, it begins to, see, this is kingdom all the way. You begin to see from this place of it's all about me and my growth, which there's a time where we go through that. I mean, think of any young child. They're kind of born into the idea that me, me, mine, mine, right? But then as you grow and mature, you start to look outward and go, oh, I'm bearing fruit for others. It's beautiful. Now think about this in the analogy of the vine and the branches. When you look at the grapevine, and this is, this is so cool that Jesus used this example, it's really, it's really hard to see where, where the vine ends and the branch begins. If you look at a grapevine, it's really hard to see this. And since there's no part of the branch, wave at me, branches. Any branches out there? Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Think about this. Since there's no part of the branch that is not also part of the vine, Think about this. Anyone who touches you touches Jesus. And this is what you were saying earlier, Pastor Kristen. It's kind of the old, we, we've sang songs, we've heard messages, we are his hands, we are his feet, we are his voice. Anyone ever heard these, these terms? But it's, it's not just something we say, it's something we are. See, again, this, this almost puts this responsibility on you to go, Wow. I bear the name of God. When I speak to someone, it's literally Jesus speaking to someone through me, right? I mean, think about when you place your hands on the sick or brokenhearted, just like Jesus did, you're placing his hands on the sick and brokenhearted. This isn't about us trying to muster up enough faith and pray hard enough to, to somehow have something work in us. No, Jesus is already there. He's already present. Listen, when you open your mouth to speak the good news, you are speaking his words with his mouth. Why? Because we're in perfect union. When you walk in the shoes of others, think about this. You are walking with his feet in those shoes. Does that make sense? This is your union in Christ. It's so important that we see this because it does put this responsibility on us to go, wow, 
okay, this is different than I'm just attending church on Sunday, and when I get a chance, I'll read some scripture, and I'll pray if I can. No, no, no. Listen, this is every day, everywhere you go. Here's what it'll do. (laughs) It will change how you react to people when they say things to you. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect at it, but I'm telling you, the more that you realize that you're in connection with the divine, you begin to reflect that divinity. This isn't heresy. This isn't some saying more. Jesus says that we're in perfect union with him. So if we can see ourselves that way, if someone cuts you off in traffic or someone at work says something out of the side of their mouth at you, I'm telling you, you will begin to respond rather than react. Doesn't mean it feels good. Doesn't mean that it isn't painful and hurt, depending on what they say. But you go, oh, this isn't about me. This is about them and their issues. And this is something that Jesus was so good at doing. He would see past the facade. He would see past the words. He would see past the actions. He would see into their heart. And he would realize, oh, there's some cloudiness there. They don't see who they truly are. And here's what happens. As you begin to awaken and grow in that, you start to see the same thing. Not that, oh, I'm better than you. You haven't seen what I see. No, no, no. That's not Jesus. That's pride and arrogance, (laughs) right? But you begin to go, oh, I can't even get offended at this. I used to wonder, Jesus, you tell us in the Sermon on the Mount to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How is this even physically possible? And then one day it clicked. Oh, it is. Because you start to realize you don't have any enemies. Even if they see that or think they're an enemy or see you as an enemy, they're not an enemy to you. I know, this is like mind blown. But I'm telling you, Jesus didn't ask for us to do anything. He didn't believe we couldn't do, especially with his strength, his power, and his authority. So think about that. Every time you speak, it will, it will get you sometimes to stop and think, before you speak, because you're like, you know what? I'm representing the very God of the universe who lives within me. And it's not a, oh, I better be careful and fearful. No, it's a reverence and awe that I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you know what? I'm going to be who I'm going to be, right? As a parent, would you tell your kids, you're Brantic, act like it. But here's the cool thing about being a believer in someone in Christ. You don't have to act because it's who you are. Come on. Here's the thing. If we can be deceived out of this reality, right, that we are in union with Christ, then we lose our power and authority. It's not like God takes it away, but we don't utilize, we don't benefit from what's already been given to us. It's still there, right? We just won't walk in it. For those who believe it, Think about this. The gospel is a joyful declaration that right now and forevermore, you are in perfect union with God. I love this in John 14. Look what Jesus tells his disciples. Starting in verse 19, he says, After a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Look at this. Because I live, you will live also. In that day, you will know, I want you to get this, This is Jesus talking, that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. That's why I said earlier, we're not thinking more of ourselves to say that we carry the divine energy within us. 
I know it's hard, and I know people have different terms, God with us, the divine. Listen, we're, try, we're all trying to say the same thing. Love resides within me. At the end of the day, what I'm saying is you are united with Christ. You are united with God. Jesus says it right, right here. And if you believe Jesus, and you believe in Jesus, and you're following Jesus, then I think we should take him at his word, right? That means you are united. You and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father, we are one. And it does change how we walk day to day. It really does. But look what Jesus said here. This is interesting. This is, I'm just kind of funny when I read scripture because I read stuff and I'm like, well, wait a minute. He says, it is for your good that I go away. Now, when you read that, you're like, um, it is for your good that I go away. What? I mean, can you imagine the disciples at the time going, uh-uh. I mean, Peter even fought with that, right? The idea that he was going to be crucified. He's like, no, I'll never let this happen. Well, Peter, you're going to deny me. I'll never do that. And then a couple hours later, he denies him three times, right? Jesus knew that. But at the time when they heard this, it is good for you that I go away. They're like, why, Jesus, why? Well, we know now so he could send Holy Spirit, right? A.K.A. the Spirit of Christ. We're all familiar with that, that place, right? The day of Pentecost. It's just such an amazing thing to realize that this is so much better. Well, why, Pastor? Why is it better? Because now, instead of just being with us physically, Jesus, which is good. I'm sure it was great for the disciples at the time to have that three, three and a half years with Jesus to grow and learn and see things in a different perspective, in a different way. But we don't just see you physically. We'll see you spiritually in us, which to me is even better. That means that no matter where you go, God is with you. That's why we say this, man, the Spirit of God is here this morning. Hallelujah. And you're like, amen. I'm like, you know why the Spirit is here? You're like, why? Because you're here. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I like what one pastor said. He says, you know, because some of us, we have this idea that Jesus comes and goes, you know, depending on our state of, you know, how we're being, are we good enough, things like that. And I love what he said. He says, we are not a motel room for Jesus. We're a mobile home. Come on, somebody. Isn't that great? I wish I could say that was my saying. It's not, but it's a good one. We're not a motel that Jesus just rolls in when time's good, and then he rolls out when things aren't so good. We're a mobile home because no matter where we go, God is with us. Isn't that beautiful? And then Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 30, he says, but God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus. There it is again. Brought us into union. Jesus says it. The apostles say it. I think we should believe it. But God has brought you into union with Christ Jesus, and God has made Christ to be our wisdom. Look at this. By him, we are put right with God. We become God's holy people. We could say set apart, right? And are what? Set free. Pastor, what's your point? My point is you are in union with Christ, and it's a perfect union. It's not perfect because you're doing everything perfectly. It's perfect because God's the one that initiated and set it up. Now, it is tradition, and I, and I say this a lot. When we read Scripture, there are references to God as all types of things, including uh, uh, female attributes, but we got to understand at the time that, that Scripture was written, it was very patriarchal. 
And so everything went from, you know, like the head, which is the male down, right? And so we've even have some of this, and I'm not, listen, I'm not against a woman getting on it, down on one knee and say, dude, you didn't do it quick enough. I'm going to ask you to marry me. But what's the traditional thing that usually happens? It's the man who asks the woman to marry, right? It's initiated by the male. What I love about this idea in that context is that it's not a perfect union because of you. It's a perfect union because the perfect one has invited you to the marriage. Come on. So it takes the pressure off to a certain point, but it also, and this is that weird line that we kind of ride sometimes, I feel like absolutely no pressure, no guilt, no shame, no forcefulness in any way to do or be something. But at the same time, the more that I awaken to the truth of who I am and the connection that I have and that God dwells within me, it brings me to a place where I feel the responsibility to represent the image and likeness of God that I've been made in. Does that make sense? It's not a legalistic thing at all. Listen, I lived out of legalism for a long time, and it was always out of fear, out of, out of guilt, out of shame. Just, I, I got to make sure. Now, maybe this isn't your story, but this was mine. And it wasn't maybe even necessarily the messages that were preached to me. It's how I heard things. Does that make sense? And so I thought, my prayer, my Bible reading, my time, I got to make sure this is happening. Why? So I can be the best for God. Well, do those things help us? Absolutely, but not from that place. Whenever we operate from fear, it kind of extinguishes any fire that could be available. But see, when we operate out of love, God loves me so much. Listen, if someone is constantly showing you love and appreciation, what do you want to do? You want to spend more time with that person. I mean, who doesn't want to be appreciated? Have you ever met someone who's just like, they don't have a negative thing to say, and they're just always complimenting you and just you know showing the love, and you're like, I could just, like, be with this person all day, every day. This is cool. Why? Because we were built for that. We were built to be loved. And let me say this. This is how God is with us all the time. How do you know? Because we're told God is love. So every, he doesn't just love. God is. Say is. God is love. So that means everything that God does, it comes from the foundation that God is love even if it's discipline. Come on. In my own life, I've had to challenge myself with my own kids. Am I disciplining now because I'm angry? Because I'm embarrassed of what they've done? Or is it because I love them so much, I want to love them out of that false identity into a new place of being? Come on. Where did I learn that from? Yeah, Heavenly Father. That's how God deals with me. Never guilt, never shame. But there's times where I feel called to the mat. Like, uh, that's not how we operate, Andrew. That's not who you are. But never with guilt, never with shame. I never feel that. I just feel this, you know what? You're right, Heavenly Father. He's like, oh, you think? (laughs) You're right in this situation. I see it now. And so God loves me out of those bad ideas, those lies that I'm believing about others and myself. It's beautiful. That's why this union is so important because, number one, it bears fruit in our lives. We'll begin to see the fruit of who we truly are 
when we see our union with Christ. Number two, it gives us authority and power. It gives us this place, this space where we can feel like maybe the confidence, that's the word I'm looking for, confidence to share the gospel. And let me say this, this is even better than sharing the gospel. Be the gospel. Listen, the actions speak louder than words. You'll have opportunities to, to give someone a scripture, if that's where Holy Spirit leads you, or tell the gospel story. But start out by living out the gospel. Love people. Love them where they are. Have empathy. Hear their story. Listen, the, the, the worst thing we can do is not hear someone's story and talk over them with a bunch of Bible verses and what they need to do. Listen, that's going to come in time. But start out by developing a relationship with people. That's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't just walk around. In fact, when he did use Scripture, when he, when he taught out of the Torah, he was usually like, like flipping the script and changing things around. They're like, whoa. That's why they were irritated. I mean, he's changing things all the time. Why? To reflect the love of God. Amen? It's so beautiful. Think about this. Union with Christ is the number one reason why we have it better than those who live before the cross. Because we see that full union. It's not just a God I worship in a temple over there on that mountain. It's not a God that's only present in that temple. And if I give my sacrifices and I do enough things right, he'll bless me, but he's over there. That's why I love in the story of the crucifixion, not only did Jesus die, but the veil to the Holy of Holies, that place where God remained and, and resided, was rent in two. It was a symbolic way to say, listen, now I'm with you. I believe God's always been with us. But it brought us to a place where we could see, oh, and there's this new way where Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, and now we are the temple of Holy Spirit. I think it's so awesome. Just look for a minute where they were mentally in this old way of thinking in relationship to God. Just a couple more scriptures. Psalm 27.4. Listen to the heart. Now, the heart of the psalmist here is beautiful, but listen. One thing I have desired of the Lord. They're already in this point where they're desiring something from God. And look at this, that I will seek. This is something I'm going to seek after. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Now, are you catching the language here that's going on? Beautiful words. It's where they were at the time. Nothing wrong with what they said. But we no longer need to ask to dwell in the house of the Lord because we are the house of the Lord. Do you see the difference? They want to seek after. They desire so much. I just want to dwell in your house. I want to be where you are, God. But look what we have now. God's like, I'm right here. I'm within you. It's such an awesome way to live. Why? Because you are in union with Christ. And guess what? It's a perfect union. Look at the person next to you and say, you are in union with Christ. One more thing I just want to go over and we'll wrap it up is Paul writes a letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 6. And I love the, his wording. The guy was a genius when it came to just how to write things. But look what he says in verse 3. He says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? So he's already using this, this analogy. He wants to paint this picture within us that, you know, we were baptized in Christ, which means we were baptized into his death. But it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 4. 
Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. In other words, this union is so tight. And this is the hard thing for me sometimes. Like, it's hard to put a finger on it because it's a spiritual thing. Like, when Paul says that we're now seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places, I'm like, what? I think I'm in Fenton, Michigan right now. What? It's kind of like, what, what, what's going on? Sometimes we can't explain it all. Does that make sense? But somehow he's seeing, I believe, into the, through spiritual eyes, and he says, listen, just as you were baptized into Christ Jesus in his death, you were also basically saying, when he raised again, you were raised to newness of life. And so many times I think we get to this place where we don't see ourselves as that new creation. We stay stuck in the old way. We may maybe just stay stuck buried, right, in death. And he's saying, no, 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 just as Christ raised up, even so we should walk in the newness of life. Why should we walk in it? Because that's who you are. Verse 5, for if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly, he's not missing words here, we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Just a couple key words here that are important. When he says that we're baptized into Christ Jesus, the Greek word there for baptized means to dip, to unite, of the thing in which one is immersed. How many have ever been baptized? Do you know what that is, right? Anyone know what baptism is? Where you're fully immersed in water. I like to think about the idea of, I don't know if you know how the dyeing process works uh, when you're dyeing clothing or fabric, but, you know, when you say you took a, a perfectly white cloth and you dipped it into purple dye, when it came out, what color would it be? Purple. But what's interesting, I started studying this out, this idea of immersing. And in the dyeing process, there's actually a chemical that's added that opens up the fibers. And it opens the fibers in such a way that when they receive the dye, it literally becomes part of the fabric. That's why you can't wash it out. It's not just colored. It becomes that color. I remember reading this one day, and it just went in my heart. I was like... Holy Spirit is the chemical that opens us up to receive the understanding of our union. He sent us Holy Spirit to be that, that part of that process that opens us up to go, oh, wow, I see it now. I'm in perfect union. It's not just about who I used to be or how I used to be. It's now I'm in Christ, not just in, but united with Christ. You see the gravity of this. Think about Holy Spirit is opening up the fibers of our heart and our soul to receive his love, to receive his grace, to receive his healing and restoration, to have a better understanding of who we are. Paul says in Galatians 4, and because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, get this, Abba, Father. The word Abba is like the greatest term of endearment for a father. It's like Daddy. I heard of a guy, he said he was in Israel, and he said he went by a playground, and he heard all these little kids playing, but he started catching these kids calling for their dad, saying, Abba, Abba, Abba. And he said at that moment, it just did something in his heart. That's why Paul uses this term, Abba, Father. See, this happened to us. We go in with the Adam mindset. We see separation. We feel estrangement. But guess what? We come out with the mind of Christ. We come out seeing that we're fully united with Christ. And then the last word, I just love this here. He says, 
he uses the word planted. And the word planted here is the Greek word sumfutas. And it means born together with, of joint origin. I tried to look up the closest English word for this Greek word, and it's the word conate or conate. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it. Maybe I should have looked at that. But here's what it means. Existing at birth or from the beginning, individual parts that are united to form a single whole. Wow, can you see the union? I'm going to have you do it again. Look at the person next to you and say, I am united with Christ. And Jesus gave us the best illustration, right? The grapevine, right? It's a vine and a branch. It's two parts that combine to make a whole. And again, it's often hard to tell where the vine ends and the branch begins. And think about it. The vine is the constant connection between the branches, between you and me. That's why it's so important that we have the same mentality that Jesus had. It wasn't about us versus them. It was like all of us as a whole. When you start to look at even that crazy person at work, <laughs> who you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could just, I don't know if I can do another day with this person. I'm not justifying what they're doing, their toxicity. They need some help. They need some therapy. What I'm saying is when you start to see, oh, it's not us and them, we're connected somehow. Do you know that's why it hurts so bad when someone speaks things over you that aren't right? If there wasn't a connection, be like, whatever. And some people have gotten to that point, like they've disconnected so much from emotions, they don't even feel it anymore. And I don't believe that's God's answer either. But that's why it hurts, because we're connected. You're connected to the person next to you. So what can I speak into the heart of this person, even as a beginning thing, to almost bring peace to the situation? And listen, some of us, we have family members that we have to deal with, and we're coming up on the holidays, and some of us, the biggest dread isn't I got to get Christmas presents. It's I got to hang out with that family member. Just being honest. Some of us, our struggle is with our own family. But what if you could see that person as united with Christ? What if you could see that person as someone who's just lost? They don't know who they are. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But we'll bring you to a place where maybe instead of saying something back out of reaction, you respond with words of kindness and love. It changes things, amen? You stand with me? Let me remind you, if you haven't heard enough, you are united with Christ, and it's a perfect union. Say, I am united. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity this morning, an opportunity to look in the Scripture, to maybe just get another feel for where your heart is concerning us that we don't have to feel less than, we don't have to feel ashamed, we don't have to feel guilty. We can fully own and embrace this union that we have with you. But that even brings us to a place that as we do, maybe it starts to bring into question some of our reactions to people, some of the things that we say back or we even say because of issues of you know low self-esteem or uh, trauma, triggers, whatever it might be. I pray, Holy Spirit, that in these moments, we won't take on shame, but we'll realize that we need your help. Because the only thing we can do all things through is through Christ who strengthens us. And so we thank you that you're with us. You promise to never leave us and never forsake us. And you're the answer to all these issues that we have in life. So no matter what comes at us, 
we got you on our side. You are in our corner. You've got our back. And so we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, say this to me. Heavenly Father, you got my back. Thank you, Jesus, for full union. I am united with you, and it's a perfect union. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You received that this morning? God is awesome, man. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.